0: This is the mop up for September 30th, 2023. Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina insists that he has a nice Christian girlfriend. He's running for president of the United States as a Republican. But a lot of the big donors are reluctant to give him money, they say, because he hasn't been able to prove that he's in a relationship with a real woman. Now, he says he is. Well, do you believe Tim Scott has a girlfriend? Because I'm afraid I don't. Not that it matters. It doesn't matter unless you're running for the Republican nomination for president. Uh, I'm going to play you a clip from Wednesday night's debate when he accused his fellow South Carolinian of spending $30,000 of our government's money on curtains for her New York residence provided to her by our State Department when she, Nikki Haley, was Donald Trump's ambassador to the United Nations. Now, watch Tim Scott, who claims he's in a loving relationship, watched him argue with Nikki Haley about her spending $30,000 on, on curtains. And you tell me, if he's ever been in a meaningful relationship because he thinks he's gonna win this argument about the curtains. You tell me. I'm guessing that this is the first time he's ever had an argument with a significant other over curtains. He thinks just because he's right, he's gonna win the argument.
1: As the UN ambassador, you literally Bring it, put $50,000 on curtains.
2: A curtains? Do your yes. homework, Tim, because Obama bought those curtains. Did you send them it's, back? It's in the press. Did you send them back? It's the State Department. Did you send them Did back? you are the one that works in Congress. Oh, no, my gosh. You, you get it, You time. hung them
3: on your, your, your curtains. I, they your were there curtains. before I even showed up at the yeah. residence. You here's, are scrapping. Here's a, here's you a, are a, scrapping. I'm not scrapping. You know I've yeah. it
4: Here's a fact. Here. Here's
2: a
1: fact, I cut
5: I up. You wanted a uh, gas tax increase, and right, then, then right, you wanted right. a Not the
2: intend-
0: That is real. He, he thought just because he was right that she spent too much on the curtains, that he was going to win the argument. I promise you, she will bring that up again in the next debate. This is going to be good. This, the argument over the curtains, it ain't over, Tim. It ain't over. And I don't think you've ever been in a meaningful <laughs> relationship with a woman. Well, I like to watch crypto fascists march in lock stop lockstep. So let's just watch this again. I and and swear to you, you know, we fudge We play with video and photographs that has not been doctored. I I swear to you, that is from Wednesday night's debate. And that is why the Republicans are desperate for a strong man or a strong woman. Otherwise, they'll just keep fighting among themselves until they off one another. Well, another day, another reason for Rudy Giuliani not to get out of bed in the morning. Or in the evening, whenever he's waking up these days on Friday, Rudy's attorney representing him down in the Georgia racketeering case announced that he will no longer be representing Rudy Giuliani. What? Why? Rudy, why is that? I like scotch. Okay. yes. You like scotch. Well, you don't really like scotch. You just need to get shit faced. Uh, It doesn't matter if it's scotch or nail polish remover, you degenerate, syphilitic racist. Turns out David Wolf agreed to be Rudy's lawyer down in Georgia. But on Thursday, he filed a motion to inform the court he would no longer be representing America's mayor. Word is he and Rudy had a major disagreement on how to mount Rudy's legal defense. From what I hear, Rudy wanted David Wolf to mount the legal defense for free. The New York Times just reported that Rudy owes $3 million in back legal fees. He's being sued by one of his attorneys and best friends for about $1.4 million in back legal fees. They think it's as much as $3 million in old legal fees And the lawsuits keep pouring in. Hunter Biden filed a lawsuit against Rudy this week. And I've been telling Hunter to do this for two years now. He filed a lawsuit against Rudy Giuliani for violating Hunter's digital privacy by taking the laptop that Hunter left at a repair shop. And then Rudy and his thugs cracked open Hunter Biden's laptop and then released the contents to the public. If you recall, I mean, you know, I hear about Hunter's laptop all the time, and I think, how can it be legal for somebody to take his laptop and make it public? If you recall, a month before the 2020 presidential election, Rudy was handed this laptop by that repairman in Delaware And then Rudy hired people to look through Hunter's laptop and they found some emails and pornography. So Rudy passed it along to the New York Post, which then published what Rudy gave to them before the presidential election. So when Twitter discovered that the Post got these photographs by hacking Hunter Biden's laptop, they shadow banned any links to that story in keeping with their official policy not to post photographs or emails that come from hacked material. By the way, thanks to Rudy Giuliani, there is nothing in that laptop that would ever hold up in court. There could be videos of Hunter riding a, a baby kangaroo while pleasuring a one-legged koala. And it wouldn't hold up in court because, you know, who was part of the chain of custody of that laptop? Rudy Giuliani. Right, Rudy? I like Scott. Yes, you do. Scott Hall, one of Rudy's 18 co-defendants in the Georgia racketeering case, is taking a plea deal with the Fulton County District Attorney Hall was indicted last month on charges of assisting Trump lawyer Sidney Powell, another co-defendant. They worked together to crack open allegedly election machines in Coffee County, Georgia, and then they stole the data to interfere with the 2020 presidential elections. What makes this extra creepy is this was done after January 6th, after the riot, after the certification. Sidney Powell and Trump were still trying to prove election fraud. So we have our first plea deal, Scott Hall. He's a bail bondsman that that comes in handy. Maybe he can get some business from his co-defendants. Hall informed Scott McAfee, he's the presiding judge in the trial, that he will plead guilty in exchange for a lighter sentence and a promise to testify against his co-defendants in the RICO prosecution that begins in late October I was talking to my friend John Ross today, and he was saying there's no way the district attorney, Fonnie Willis, was going to give this guy anything, any light sentence, unless he has something to offer. So he's obviously going to turn on Sidney Powell. So we'll see what happens. Uh, That RICO prosecution begins in late October. Maybe, maybe it begins in late October. Lawyers uh, for uh, Kenneth Cheesbro and Sidney Powell, exercise their right to a speedy trial guaranteed by uh, guaranteed to all defendants in Georgia, except for some reason the detainees in that Fulton County jail, where, according to the ACLU, half the inmates have yet to be charged or indicted. But I guess if you're white, the Georgia. Uh, Constitution guarantees you the right to a speedy trial. Very speedy. That's why Cheese Bro and Powell, when they demanded a speedy trial, theirs was immediately scheduled for late October of this year. However, on Friday, prosecutors from the District Attorney's office hinted during a pre-trial hearing that they will be offering plea deals, to Kenneth Cheesebro and Sidney Powell. There's no word as to whether or not they're going to take them. But obviously, Sidney uh, 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 Fawny Willis, the district attorney, thinks they're going to be willing to flip. You don't get a plea deal unless you have something to trade. So that's how RICO prosecutions are structured. You offer plea deals to the low hanging fruit in exchange for their testimony. And then you keep working your way up the food chain until you bring down the three people running the racket. And that would be Donald Trump at the top, right below him, Rudy Giuliani, and then Mark Meadows, Donald Trump's chief of staff. Those, I would assume, are the three Catches the three big fish that Phony Willis wants, wants to get. If you read the indictment, those seem to be, those three seem to be the defendants who make up the triumvirate. Meanwhile, lawyers for Kenneth Cheesebro have asked the court to suppress his emails in the discovery phase of the trial, claiming they were obtained through a faulty warrant. So Kenneth Cheesebro doesn't want his emails entered into evidence. If you remember yesterday, I reported that Trump ordered his lawyers in that case to somehow figure out a way to suppress from evidence the infamous January 2nd recording of his perfect phone call that he made to Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to help find the votes he needed to defeat Biden. That is a smoking gun. And Trump knows if the jury hears it, they're going to find him guilty. So, you know, he's saying, figure out a way that the jury can't hear that. And Cheesebro's emails, these would be the ones where uh, these would be the emails he wants suppressed. He doesn't want the jury to be able to read the emails, but we've read them. They are the memos that outline how to stage the phony electors scheme in which he attached phony certificates for the phony electors in Georgia to forge and certify and say, we voted for Donald Trump. And then they mailed what Kenneth Cheesebro sent to them. They mailed it to the National Archives and to Congress for January 6th. It's forgery and fraud. So the fact That Kenneth Cheesebro and his lawyers are trying to suppress his emails, which are the memos, trying to suppress this evidence that suggests Cheesebro knows they have him dead to rights, and he's probably going to end up taking the plea deal in exchange for testifying against everybody, Rudy, Mark Meadows, John Eastman, and of course, Donald Trump. This is former Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark standing outside his home in his underwear while his home is being searched for the electronic evidence linking him to Trump's conspiracy to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Clark is one of the 19 co-defendants down in Georgia. And if you remember, Donald Trump was going to make Jeffrey Clark his acting attorney general in the waning days of his presidency. The plan was Clark, as acting attorney general, would begin to prosecute Democrats for election fraud, for non-existent election fraud. Jeffrey Clark also wrote a memo falsely claiming massive election fraud in Georgia. He wrote a memo and a letter that was supposed to be sent to the Georgia Secretary of State And the governor, Brian Kemp, saying that here at the Justice Department, we've uncovered massive fraud, massive election fraud. And the idea was they were going to demand as as Justice Department officials that Georgia investigate this massive election fraud that the Justice Department uncovered, even though. The letter was fraud. There was no evidence. And he handed it over to then acting attorney general Jeffrey Rosen to sign and then send down to the governor. And Jeffrey Rosen said, get get out of here. Get out. That's one of the reasons Jeffrey Clark is indicted. He participated in this conspiracy to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Working as a lawyer inside the Justice Department, writing a memo. To the governor of Georgia and the secretary of state of Georgia saying lying and saying that the Justice Department has uncovered massive election fraud in Georgia. It wasn't signed and it wasn't sent, but it is still illegal to write that if you're working in the Justice Department to promote fraud. It was, he was promoting fraud for the president, allegedly. Jeffrey Clark filed a motion to have his case severed from the 18 other co-defendants and get it bumped up into a federal courtroom. He is saying this wasn't a federal, this wasn't a state crime that you're accusing me of. It's a federal crime. I should be tried in a federal courtroom where he'd find a more sympathetic jury pool, supposedly. Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, made the same plea, and that was rejected. On Thursday, Jeffrey Clark's motion to sever his case was rejected as well. And it was also announced that Donald Trump was thinking of filing an identical motion to sever his case. But his lawyers realized, like Jeffrey Clark and Mark Meadows, they would lose. It was also reported on Friday that three other co-defendants also lost their bid to be tried in a federal courtroom. The judge making all these rulings is Steve C. Jones, and he rejected three other defendants, uh, their motions. Uh, he said, nope, they were filed by... these. Are, this is low-hanging fruit. These are the the bottom rung of the RICO prosecution, co-defendants Kathy Latham, David Schaefer, and Georgia State Senator Sean Still, they all claim that because they are charged with impersonating electors in the phony elector scheme, that it is a federal offense and therefore it belongs in a federal courtroom. Judge Jones reasoned that if they did, in fact, pose as electors, They committed a crime against voters in georgia they were disenfranchising voters in georgia and therefore the trial has georgia state jurisdiction well it's happening in colorado probably minnesota and now michigan on friday plaintiffs sued the state attorney general of michigan demanding that Donald Trump's name be stripped from the ballot in accordance with Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which bans anyone from holding office again if they ever swore an oath to uphold the Constitution and then violated it by engaging in an insurrection against our government. These cases are being filed all around the country in states with Democratic secretaries of state, many of whom say they are willing to strip Trump's name from the ballots pending a court decision. These cases are going to move very swiftly because ballots must be finalized by January of 2024. So I suspect these cases will end up bundled together and work their way to the Supreme Court for a major decision sometime after the Christmas recess. That's what I'm going to assume. The messenger, meanwhile, is reporting that Donald Trump has cleared his schedule next week so he can appear in person for the start of next week's civil trial brought against him by New York State Attorney General Letitia James, who accuses him of fraud, accuses him of overinflating the value of his properties to secure loans and insurance policies. Trump has already lost this case. On Tuesday of this week, the judge, in a summary judgment, ruled that Trump and his two idiot sons were guilty of defrauding lenders, and then he ordered, the judge ordered, all of Trump's limited liability shell companies to be dissolved, which means all of Trump's properties in New York State, including Trump Tower, will be sold off in receivership. Obviously, Trump is going to appeal, but this is serious. The trial continues, even though he lost most of it. The trial continues next week as there are roughly four more counts Trump's been charged with that need adjudicating. The state attorney general, Leticia James, says she will make Trump and his three moronic adult children, Eric Ivanka and Don Jr., take the stand. They'll probably take the fifth. And Trump doesn't need to be in the courtroom next week, but he is showing up. He canceled a deposition he had scheduled for his lawsuit against his old attorney, Michael Cohen. Sue everybody. Your thoughts, Donald Trump? What? Open your ears, jerky. I'm doing some jerky boys today. I've been listening to the jerky boys. If you never heard the, there there used to be a thing called phony phone calls before we stopped answering our phones. So you should go buy a jerky boys album and laugh your ass off. Anyway, Donald Trump keeps going. He's like the Energizer Bunny. If the Energizer Bunny was a rageaholic addicted to Ritalin, he spoke at the Republican State Convention in Anaheim, California on Friday. And, you know, California Republicans are always a good audience. Here is Trump warming the crowd up, talking about the California drought.
5: We're constantly forced to ration. You have droughts. We're rich people in Beverly Hills. We don't feel so sorry for them, but I do actually. You know, they pay millions of dollars in taxes. They're taking a shower. They're told to hurry up. You're only allowed a small amount of water when they take a shower. That's why rich people from Beverly Hills, generally speaking, don't smell so good, you know? (laughs) Typically, you ever notice, they're not great. Their hygiene is not good, but it's forced to be that way. So when you meet somebody with a beautiful house in Beverly Hills, you know that person is sort of disgusting under there.
0: He was also taping his Netflix special. Uh, Then he got down to business. This is him now Addressing California Republicans in Anaheim. And here he goes to town on the Democrats.
5: Together we will take on the ultra left wing liars, losers, creeps, perverts, and freaks who are devouring the future of this state like a swarm of locusts. It's pretty
0: good. I mean, if any turn to former Speaker of the House, Nancy. Pelosi, San Francisco Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi.
5: And we'll stand up to crazy Nancy Pelosi who ruined San Francisco. How's her husband doing, by the way? Anybody know?
0: That's sweet. He wants to know how her husband, Paul Pelosi, is doing. If you remember, Paul Pelosi was attacked by an intruder who broke into their home and took a hammer to Paul Pelosi's head. Pelosi had to be rushed to the hospital where he remained in intensive care and is still recovering. So it's nice. Trump was asking how Nancy's husband is, you know, just because they don't see eye to eye on politics. There's no reason Donald Trump can't be civil here and ask how Paul Pelosi is doing. That's sweet. He's a kind, compassionate man. And then he went back to politics. He asked how Paul Pelosi was and... Then he went after Nancy Pelosi because they don't agree on how to police the border.
5: And she's against building a wall at our border, even though she has a wall around her house, which obviously didn't do a very good job.
0: (laughs) It's just he he was president for four years He is, he's not only the worst human being in the world, he brings out the worst in everybody. Pure vitriol, just hate. Uh, Paul Pelosi, a guy in his 80s, early 80s, almost died. And Trump sees that as weakness and gets big laughs. Uh, I keep hearing about the cancel culture. This guy's leading in the polls. Where is the cancel culture they talk about? Robert F. Kennedy is reportedly about to declare that he will forego the Democratic Party primaries and announce he is running for president as a third party candidate. That's Robert Kennedy Jr. The New York Times reported last week that Robert Kennedy Jr. met with the Libertarian Party and he might run as their candidate. Kennedy has drawn criticism for his anti-vax stance and has been accused of being a 9-11 truther. So, conventional wisdom. Let's talk about conventional wisdom. Everybody says Kennedy's run for president doing a third party run will take votes away from Biden because Kennedy's name is so synonymous with the Democratic Party. Let me offer up another theory. I think, and I'm sure the polling doesn't reflect this, but I think Robert F. Kennedy Jr., if he does a third party bid, ends up hurting Trump if Trump is the nominee. I don't think he hurts Joe Biden. A lot of Trump's appeal is making a protest vote. You vote for Trump to hurt the Democrats, to hurt Joe Biden. It pisses people off to say you're voting for Bobby Kennedy Jr. instead of Biden. So here's my theory. This is why I think Bobby Kennedy Jr. making a third party run helps Joe Biden. I think a lot of people who voted for Trump now realize he's a fool. But they can't bring themselves to vote for joe biden so they're the ones who end up voting for bobby kennedy jr that's how i think bobby kennedy helps joe biden i think a lot of people have soured on donald trump but still want to stick it to joe biden and the democrats what better way to stick it to the democrats and joe biden than by voting for bobby kennedy because everybody believes he is seen as the democratic alternative to Biden. He is the ultimate protest vote against Joe Biden if you're a Trump supporter. I think he peels votes away from Trump, not Joe Biden. So I'm always wrong. Not always, but... Uh, I think we should welcome his third party bid. I think the people who vote for Biden know the score. They know who Trump is. And, you know, Bernie supporters, they know that Trump is a fascist and we have to break this fever. One of the people who might be able to beat Trump, God forbid something happens. And Joe Biden isn't the nominee. This is Gavin Newsom. Now, forget his positions. Um, you know, I'm OK with Gavin Newsom. I'm from California. There are a couple of things he's done that I don't like. But I'm talking about winning elections now. I'm not talking about social justice. I'm talking about appealing to the 40% of Americans who actually vote. I've been over this 40% of Americans vote. We have 100 million who who could vote, but they don't. So we're playing to 40% of Americans who can vote here. So this isn't about social justice right now. This is about winning elections. I'm talking about uh, beating the fascists, the Republicans. This is California Governor Gavin Newsom signing into law a bill he shepherded that forces fast food companies in his state to raise the minimum wage to $20 an hour. This will affect 550,000 fast food workers in California who work at 30,000 fast food restaurants. There are 30,000 fast food restaurants in California 550,000 people work there. This is important. And while signing this bill into law on Friday, Governor Newsom pointed out that these people who work in fast food restaurants are the primary breadwinners in their families, dispelling the misconception that fast food jobs are entry level positions for teenagers. That's a lie. He also pointed out that two thirds of fast food workers in California are women and 80 percent are minorities. Look at Gavin Newsom signing this bill into law on Friday. And you tell me if he doesn't seem like an almost Kennedy esque a real Kennedy-esque, as opposed to Bobby Kennedy, a real Kennedy-esque alternative to Trump and, God forbid, Joe Biden.
3: And I get ask all of you to get closer. The authors of this bill, Tia, come on closer. We
5: fight. We We win! We win! We win! We win!
0: Okay, so I don't know if you've seen... Gavin Newsom go on Fox News. It's pretty remarkable. Here is Gavin Newsom with Sean Hannity on Fox News after Wednesday's Republican presidential debate. Gavin Newsom went into the spin room and he was a Biden advocate. I'm going to give you know, there's nothing to like about Sean Hannity. Nothing. He's detestable. But I'm going to give him some credit because he's going to be moderating a debate between Gavin Newsom and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in mid-November. Every time Gavin Newsom comes on Sean Hannity's show, they fight. And every time, Gavin Newsom kicks Hannity's ass. And to Hannity's credit, he enjoys a good fight and he takes the punches. He takes the hits and has said, to Gavin Newsom, you know, you should come out, you should come back and debate Ron DeSantis. You're really good. You're a scrapper. And even though Gavin Newsom humiliates Sean Hannity, Hannity has him back. Uh, I respect that about Hannity, but pay attention to Gavin Newsom. I'm talking now I'm talking about being telegenic, knowing how to argue, knowing how to charm, knowing how to debate, how to appeal to the 40 percent of Americans who vote. Again, this is not about social justice. OK, this is about winning elections. OK, now I'm going to play you a clip where Hannity says under Joe Biden, America has become energy dependent. He says we had energy independence under Trump. And then Biden became president. And now, once again, we're dependent on foreign oil. Watch. Watch Gavin Newsom.
3: Energy independent. For the By the first way, we're time more energy 75 years. We are more energy dependent today. Look that up. It's a fact. And if you no, no. 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 No, it's just factually untrue. Joe Biden what? is unilaterally I, disarmed. I, I want to encourage you, the people watching. Look I this up. 5.94 5. <laughs> quads. Google 9.5. Look four, at all the restrictions Joe Biden has put on more oil and gas companies. Independent today under Biden. Pence doesn't know that. Your audience doesn't know that. More domestic oil production than any time in history. We're on pace this year. That's a all fact. Right. You guys keep making that up. No, we don't make it up. You're making it up. We we're energy independent. And now we're we not. We are energy independent. No, we're net not. Energy no, exporters. No, we are not. Sean, this is going to be so much fun when this gets and back tomorrow. And war. To Go there. Look at all 5. the other restrictions. 5.94 quads. That's the margin. It's the highest margin of net energy export in America's history under the Biden administration. Right. I did have a little fun. And for once, you actually got back By to me. the way, I can't I was, wait for PolitiFact tomorrow. It's going to be some fun. PolitiFact. I, why don't I, you go I, to the great? I want you why don't to show you go your to, your to audience. the Washington Post fact checker. Right. All right. Needs there's four Pinocchios that coming your here. You way. get four Pinocchios.
0: <laughs> I'm talking about winning elections. What do you think? Leave a comment. Uh, you know, and he's there advocating for Biden and he'll be debating Ron DeSantis in November on Fox News. Hannity will moderate. So, It's nice to know we have Gavin Newsom on the bench, either, God forbid, 2024 or 2028. So now let me put on my tinfoil hat and uh, scare myself. Uh, Now, some Democrats are worried Biden can't make it through 2024 and Newsom has the goods. He does. He's the governor of California. He's battle tested. He won the he got reelected then won the recall effort last year. He knows how to fight Republicans. He's a scrapper. And he's running the fifth largest economy in the world, California. He's not from Washington, D.C. And that is a net positive because everybody hates Washington, D.C. You win the presidency by being an outsider. Even Obama won because he was new to Washington, D.C. George W. Bush won because he could lie and say he was a Washington outsider, even though his father was president of the United States and ran the CIA. But he ran as, you know, a shit kicker from Texas. Clinton won because he was the governor of Arkansas and Trump won because he was the mayor of crazy town. Reagan was a governor from California. And part of Biden's problem, part of his messaging problem is he's perceived as a Washington insider, which is true. And Newsom is the breath of fresh air. He's the clean slate and the American people can attach whatever they want to him. It used to be that conventional wisdom was if you were a senator or a congressperson, it was harder for you to get elected president because you left behind a paper trail like John Kerry lost in 2004 because he was a senator. And he said, I voted. I was against that. I voted for that bill. After I was against it or something like that, flip, flop, flip, flop. Well, you see what's going on with the continuing resolution. You can cherry pick votes and say you voted against. No, you don't understand the legislative process. Yes, I do. You're a flip flopper. That way you can't. So traditionally, a lot of people believe that governors leave no paper trail They're easier to get elected as president. So Gavin Newsom, Um, Fox. This is what I'm worried about, however, Fox desperately wants Gavin Newsom to run. I have some clips I don't have time to what time is it? Yeah, I don't have time to play them of him walking through the the spin room on Fox News after the debate and. The morons from Fox and Friends were salivating over Gavin Newsom. They were so friendly. Please come back. We love you. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? Why does Fox News desperately want Gavin Newsom to to run for president? What's up here? And then I remembered this is his ex-wife, Kimberly Gargoyle. Remember, they used to be married. They were a San Francisco power couple. She was, I think she worked in the, the district attorney's office in San Francisco. He was the mayor. She used to be his wife. Uh, he used to be married to Don Jr.'s fiancee, Kimberly Gargoyle. And they were a cute San Francisco couple. And then they got a divorce, and this is what three years as Don Jr.'s fiance does to a woman. That is what Kimberly Gargoyle looks like after spending three years as Don Jr.'s fiance, And that's why I think Fox News is pushing Gavin Newsom to run for president, because Kimberly has dirt on Gavin Newsom. She's his ex-wife. She knows something. She's mad that she's with Don Jr. And she told the Murdochs, Sean Hannity, and everybody over at Fox News, you get my ex-husband to run for president. I got your October surprise. Don't do it, Gavin. You're being set up. Well, Let's talk about the shutdown. According to Vox, not Fox, Vox, government shutdowns started under Jimmy Carter. Well, not, they didn't, we didn't have our first shutdown until Reagan, but Jimmy Carter's attorney general, Benjamin Civiletti, issued an opinion, I believe it was in 1979, and he said we're going to require federal agencies to shut down if congress can't approve a budget so the the attorney general made it official policy that if there's no budget forget continuing to spend you got to shut down the government well since then our government has been shut down 14 times I remember the first time it was under Reagan. I believe they turned the the lights of the Statue of Liberty off, and my parents were very upset by that. And so I blame Reagan and the Republicans for the shutdowns. But the first one happened under Reagan. Uh, It was his predecessor who appointed an attorney general who made these shutdowns legal. So let's begin. This is freshman Republican congressman from New York, Mike Lawler. He's a busy man this week. This is his first term in Congress, and Mike is a straight shooter. Maybe because he's from New York. Maybe it's because before becoming a congressman, he played six-string guitar for the heavy metal band Harry Slash and the Slash Tones. I'm not making that up. That is... Congressman, Republican Mike Lawler playing with heavy metal band, Harry Slash and the Slash. They don't look that heavy metal. They just look kind of heavy. Well. I don't know if Mike Lawler's related to Jerry Lawler. Mike is in a purple district here in New York state. He was elected to Congress in 2022 in the district that Joe Biden won in 2020. So he's not a MAGA Republican. If he wants to return to Washington, D.C., he has to be a, a moderate. And he's working with Speaker Kevin McCarthy. This week, he was Kevin McCarthy's point man trying to help McCarthy pass McCarthy's version of a continuing resolution to keep our government running past midnight tonight. Here is Mike Lawler going after MAGA Republicans. yeah, uh, And so, some of my colleagues uh, have, frankly, been stuck on stupid. Mm, stuck on stupid. And that was, I think, one of the songs that he wrote for Harry Slash and the Slash Tones. Stupid Republicans. Well, come on. Now, certainly when you say your colleagues are stupid, certainly you don't mean Republican Andy Ogles From the crappy state of Tennessee,
3: April 15th, 2019, under the leadership of President Trump.
0: Certainly you don't mean Republican Congressman Mike Stubbe from the even crappier state of Florida.
5: I'm happy and honored to endorse Donald J. Trump uh, for president. Well,
0: Kevin McCarthy had a very bad Friday it ended with reporters asking what with 24 hours to go what is your plan to keep our government open
3: what is the logical
1: next step
6: keep working and make sure uh, make sure we solve this problem so
3: what are, are we
1: working on, on? <laughs>
0: what's in your back pocket
5: speaker you guys right. Nothing right now we right now They
0: asked him, what's in your back pocket right now? And he said, nothing right now. I'm broke. Nothing right now. I'm broke. You're broke. Well, I guess you picked the wrong time to slash food stamps, you craven prick. Lead guitarist for Harry Slash and the Slash Tones, Republican Congressman Mike Lawler, your thoughts about Kevin McCarthy. Yeah, Uh, And some of my colleagues
3: uh, have, frankly, been stuck on stupid.
0: Well, I think you're stuck on stupid. You're his point, man. Kevin McCarthy. So that's how the day ended for Friday. That's the how Friday ended for Kevin McCarthy. Lost everything on Friday. And they asked him, what do you got in your back pocket for Saturday? Nothing. I'm broke. He just said, I'm broken. I'm, I got nothing. It started with hope. Friday, everybody thought. He knew what he was doing, and he was going to save us from a catastrophic government shutdown. Kevin McCarthy began Friday morning by bringing to the floor his much-anticipated continuing resolution that everyone knew was not going to pass. But don't count Kevin McCarthy out because he has a plan. He decided to introduce a continuing resolution Friday that not only placated the MAGA Republicans from the Freedom Caucus by tacking on extra spending for border security, but he was also going to make this continuing resolution about Joe Biden. He was going to take all that pent-up hatred for Joe Biden that's bubbling to the surface inside the Republican Caucus and make his continuing resolution that he was just about to introduce on the floor. He was going to make this continuing resolution the embodiment of donald trump and contempt for joe biden listen to how he sold his continuing resolution that he was just about right before taking it to the the floor of the house
6: i'm putting on the floor a stopgap measure that will fund the government and secure the border no longer can the president ignore a problem he created that kills Americans every single day, destroys some of our greatest cities and puts states in a state of emergency.
0: Right. This continuing resolution is about Biden. This is how you unite your fractured caucus, make it about Biden. And then he took a page from George W. Bush's playbook by waving both the carrot and the stick. Unfortunately, it was up his bum when he was waving it. He told members of his Republican caucus, You're either with us or against us. You're either with me or Biden. You're either with America or the migrants.
6: Every member will have to go on record of where they stand. Are they willing to secure the border, or do they side with President Biden on an open border? and vote against a measure to keep government open.
0: That was his warning to his caucus. This is how you get a bill passed in the House. And then he turned to the American people to let them know he and his Republican caucus are doing the people's work by focusing on what truly matters to all of us, the impeachment of Joe Biden.
6: Yesterday, we heard from expert witnesses who said that there is enough evidence for an impeachment inquiry. Jonathan Turley, he said, and I quote, I do believe that the House passed the threshold for an impeachment inquiry into the conduct of Joe Biden.
0: Really? That's what Professor Jonathan Turley said the day before? Because I have Professor Jonathan Turley right here. And this, Kevin McCarthy, is actually what he said on Thursday during the impeachment inquiry. In fact, I do not believe that the current evidence would support articles of impeachment. The rap against Kevin McCarthy has always been that he's a liar. This was another lie we've just caught him in. He's a liar. Matt Gates calls him a liar because he is a liar. And the other rap against Kevin McCarthy is he's stupid. They say about Kevin McCarthy that he literally can't count votes. And that's the number one job of a speaker. You need to know how many votes you have, especially since all the speakers adhere to the Hastert rule, named after the former Republican speaker and pedophile Dennis Hastert. The Hastert rule... Google Dennis Hastert, wrestling coach. Hello, Jim Jordan. Read about Dennis Hastert, wrestling coach, speaker of the House. Hello, Jim Jordan. Google Dennis Hastert. I'll wait. Go ahead. Dennis Hastert, wrestling coach, plea deal. Then Google Jim Jordan. Anyway, the Hastert rule is never introduce a bill to the floor of the House unless you know it's going to pass. So, Friday morning, Kevin McCarthy introduced his continuing resolution. And I know he obeys the Hastert rule because every speaker, Boehner, Pelosi, they all obey the Hastert rule. Never introduce a bill to the House unless you know you have a majority So obviously, Kevin McCarthy had counted the votes. He knew he had a majority, and that's why he put it to a vote, because he's not one of the people his flunky Mike Lawler talks about. Right, Mike Lawler? Yeah. Uh, And some of my colleagues uh, have, frankly, been stuck on stupid. Right. That's how big a margin Mike Lawler thinks Kevin McCarthy's continuing resolution is going to pass. He thinks Kevin McCarthy counted the votes, introduced his continuing resolution. And uh, so here is Kevin McCarthy's point man on the continuing resolution Friday morning. Uh, New York Republican Congressman Mike Lawler was presiding over the House of Representatives. This was a gift, a thank you that Kevin McCarthy gave to Mike Lawler for being his point man on the continuing resolution. Let's uh, go to the House as they vote on Kevin McCarthy's continuing resolution that contains more funding for border security, none for Ukraine. Let's see how much Kevin McCarthy won this
5: by. On
3: this vote, the yeas are 198, the nays are 232. The bill is not passed.
0: Well, that was a smart move for Kevin McCarthy. Wait until Friday to introduce your continuing resolution with only a day left before the government shuts down. Well, whose fault would all this be, Mike Lawler? your continuing resolution, McCarthy's continuing resolution. It died Friday morning. Whose fault is it? Only one person to blame for any potential government shutdown, and that's Matt Gates. He's not a conservative Republican. He's a charlatan. Ah, Matt Gates. He's not a conservative Republican. He's a charlatan. Well, isn't it a fact that the only way you can be a conservative Republican is by being a charlatan? Isn't the whole conservative Republican thing a con? Now, you guys, like Kevin McCarthy and Congressman Lawler, you claim fiscal responsibility, but you offer tax cuts to the rich that ended up adding $8 trillion to our national debt And then you claim we have no money for social safety net. When you ask us how we're going to pay for Medicare for all, we say, well, we're going to make people pay their fair share of taxes. We're not going to raise taxes on them. We're just going to make people pay what they already owe by beefing up the Internal Revenue Service. And you say, no, 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 defund the IRS, that's not a conservative Republican. That's just a con Republican. The entire Republican Party is a glorified tax dodge for the rich. That's all it is. But blame it on Matt Gates. Hey, why not? There are rumblings that Kevin McCarthy might, might do the honorable thing and work with Democrats to keep the government open past midnight. But on Friday, Matt Gates warned Kevin McCarthy, quote, you cannot be the Republican Speaker of the House while you're using Democratic votes to pass Joe Biden's spending priorities. Democratic votes are tainted. It's not about what's good for our country. It's what's good for the Republicans in Matt Gaetz's estimation. So, as you all know by now, that if Kevin McCarthy dares to work with Democrats, Matt Gates will immediately file a motion to vacate the chair, which means we go another 15, 30, 100 rounds to pick a new speaker. And the question is... How would McCarthy survive that vote? Gates added that, well, maybe McCarthy might somehow find a way to survive another voter for Speaker. But Gates said maybe he can stay as Speaker of the House, but he won't be the Republican Speaker anymore. So will the Democrats throw a lifeline to Kevin McCarthy? If he cooperates with them and keeps the government open, when they when the Republicans in the Freedom Caucus punish him for working with Democrats and file a motion to vacate the chair and we have to elect a new speaker, would the Democrats help Kevin McCarthy? Here is Congressman Clyburn, Democrat.
1: Well, there are circumstances under which I could vote for him to maintain his speakership. A lot depends upon whether or not he is willing to put what the the, Senate is doing on the floor. They have marked up to the agreement. We had an agreement back in the spring of the year. He knows what the agreement is. He made it.
0: That is uh, Congressman James Clyburn. And I talked about this two mornings ago where I said... It is conceivable that if this continuing resolution that Chuck Schumer is trying to get passed in the Senate, if it goes down to the House and Kevin McCarthy gets on board, that when, they, when the Freedom Caucus files a motion to vacate the chair, it would be in the best interests of Hakeem Jeffries, the House Minority Leader, and the Democrats to vote for Kevin McCarthy for Speaker and defang the Freedom Caucus. So there is this bipartisan continuing resolution that's coming out of the Senate. Here is Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, late Friday morning, early Friday afternoon, responding to Kevin McCarthy's continuing resolution dying on the House floor.
1: A few hours ago, Speaker McCarthy held a vote on a truly radical CR proposal everyone knew never stood a chance of passing the Senate. And now the House Republican CR has failed to even pass the House by an unexpectedly large and decisive margin. 34 votes. Much more than most expected.
0: Right. The C.R. is the continuing resolution. That's uh, how Chuck Schumer tries to bring everybody into his world by using language nobody understands. C.R. stands for continuing resolution. Please continue C.S. That would be Chuck Schumer. But, you know, us insiders, we, we call him C.S. Here he is talking about the C.R. The
1: Speaker has spent weeks catering to the hard right and now he finds himself in the exact same position he's been in since the beginning. No plan forward, no closer no closer to passing something that avoids a shutdown. The Speaker needs to abandon his doomed mission of trying to please MAGA extremists and instead he needs to work across the aisle to keep the government open.
0: Okay, so here's what I think is going on because we've been following this all week. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat, and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Republican, have been working on their own continuing resolution that would keep spending at 2023 levels. It would keep the government open until mid November. It would include an extra $6 billion for Ukraine. and six billion for FEMA and probably more for border security to appease the MAGA Republicans in the House. Earlier this week, Schumer floated a trial balloon version of the bill and it passed the Senate by a two thirds majority, was bipartisan. Rand Paul, I think 17 Republicans voted against it. But Schumer clearly has the votes because Mitch McConnell is demonstrably on board. They want to avoid a government shutdown. So this continuing resolution, if I don't know how this works, we're probably going to, well, maybe the government will be, maybe it won't shut down. The idea is that It'll pass in the Senate tomorrow and then be brought down to the House. Here is House Minority Leader, Democrat Hakeem Jeffries. He has Nancy Pelosi's old job. When they flip the House next year, he will be the presumptive speaker. Here is House Minority Leader, Democrat Hakeem Jeffries talking about this continuing resolution that is expected, he's expecting to come down from the Senate.
2: There is a bipartisan continuing resolution making its way through the Senate that would ensure the government doesn't shut down, that funding is available to meet the needs of the American people, that is free of any partisan poison, pill, ideological amendments and that provides support for everyday Americans who've been hit hard by extreme weather events and for the Ukrainian war effort that is important to freedom and democracy and truth across the world.
0: Right. So this continuing resolution that's in the Senate, it passed, the trial balloon passed, Six billion for FEMA and six billion for Ukraine. Well, the Republicans don't want six billion going to Ukraine. And that's just for the continuing resolution for November, until November. Six billion to Ukraine to hold them over till November, till we get the 2024 budget. Senate Republicans have said, after talking to members of the House, that you have to plump the bill up with spending for border security. So more from Hocking Jeffries. Remember, he has Nancy Pelosi's old job. And when we flip the house next year, he'll probably be speaker.
2: The Senate bipartisan continuing resolution will emerge in that institution in the next few days and be sent over to the House of Representatives. The only way forward is for House Republicans to put the bipartisan continuing resolution that emerges from the Senate on the House floor for an up or down vote. And if House Republicans were to do that, we can avoid a catastrophic extreme MAGA Republican government shutdown. It's not that complicated. And all we're asking House Republicans to do is to keep their word and adhere to the agreement that they themselves reached, voted for and negotiated in May, connected to their threat to default on America's debt.
0: Right. Now, he's talking about the Fiscal Responsibility Act that was passed in June of this year. I know it's hard to keep track of all this. And I went over this yesterday. We don't live and breathe this. They do. The Fiscal Responsibility Act. And this is what's so frustrating about the Republicans. McCarthy is a liar. He makes promises to his own caucus that he can't keep. And with the Fiscal Responsibility Act, he made a promise to President Biden that he's not keeping. Do you remember we were, we were where we are today three months ago, in late May, early June, when we had to raise the debt ceiling, right? where I, I don't know the numbers. I think we're like 31, 32 trillion dollars in debt, and they were going to shut the government down because our debt was rising. We had to lift the debt ceiling, and there was brinkmanship, and our credit rating has suffered because of this. Because of the uncertainty, they did get a 11th, an 11th hour deal was struck in June and they passed Kevin McCarthy, Biden and the Senate and the House passed the Fiscal Responsibility Act. It lifts the debt ceiling. This was the agreement. It lifts the debt ceiling uh, until January of 2025. And there's no limit. It can go as high as. They the Democrats want it supposedly, and then the next Congress comes in in January of twenty five, and it's their problem. It limits military spending to eight hundred eighty six billion, non military discretionary spending to seven hundred four billion, and they carve out twenty billion dollars from the Inflation Reduction Act's IRS funding. Right, so the the Inflation Reduction Act. Gives about 80 billion dollars to the Internal Revenue Service. And that drives the Republicans crazy. So they gave back that Biden gave back 20 billion dollars that was supposed to go to the IRS. Now they get 60 billion. And th- and this is the, the worst part of this deal. Work requirements for food stamps for uh, anybody uh, under the age of 55. I think who's able-bodied, I think just horrible that the Republicans would make Democrats agree to that. OK, so that is the Fiscal Responsibility Act that was passed in June. And the the idea was the, the the Republicans weren't going to threaten to shut down the government. They were going to get to work and start passing the 12 appropriations bills that make up our budget. And we'd be good to go early in October with a new budget, the new 2024 budget. But instead, Kevin McCarthy diddled and, you know, impeachment and Freedom Caucus garbage and Never got the budget ready. Uh, Shalonda Young heads Joe Biden's Office of Management and Budget, the OMB. The Senate approved her 61 to 36 back in March of last year. She was acting budget director before that. So on budget issues, she speaks for the White House. Here she is on Friday railing against McCarthy and Republicans for going back on the promises they made to keep the government funded and open. They made a promise when they passed last June's Fiscal Responsibility Act. Here is Shalonda Young, Joe Biden's budget
5: director.
4: We negotiated at the speaker's request three months ago my life is still recovering from it. I remember it very vividly. There are no negotiations left to have on a 47-day bill. The conversation that needs to happen is with the Speaker in the Republican Conference, period.
0: That is Shalanda Young, the White House Budget dir- uh, Director. Tell us more about the Fiscal Responsibility Act, which I just went over.
4: The deal was to ensure that we had a fiscally responsible plan. I think the name of the bill was the Fiscal Responsibility Act that saved a trillion dollars over a decade. And like if, if House Republicans want to join us in the Fiscal Reduction Act, I'm happy to talk to them about the tax cuts they have pending in ways and means that add to the deficit. I'm also happy to talk to any Republican who voted for two and a half trillion dollars of tax cuts unpaid. So the problem I have is when people vote for that, bust the deficit on tax cuts for the wealthy, and then come and say we're doing too much for Head Start and child care and cancer research because that's what we're talking about. They've taken the smallest amount of spending, do nothing about taxes for the rich, and they want to cut the smallest amount of spending. That's not serious fiscal conversation. Anybody in D.C. will tell you You cannot get on a better fiscal path by going after these domestic programs. They're the smallest portion of our budget. It ain't going to happen. It's not serious. Even cutting it 30% doesn't put you on a better fiscal path. So let's just get real.
0: Right. Earlier in the day, however, Speaker McCarthy tried to convince Americans that he's fiscally responsible and is serious about bringing down the debt. Go ahead, Speaker McCarthy.
6: Of course, I would not take my salary, but the, the number one thing I want here is for government not to shut
0: down. So magnanimous. Of course, he's not going to take his salary during a government shutdown. Well, Biden's budget director, Shalonda Young, was asked about Kevin McCarthy's selflessness.
4: House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says that he's not going to take a salary during a shutdown. Does the president plan to pause his salary also? Look, I'm glad that the speaker has made that statement. By the way, members of Congress have to get paid constitutionally. So maybe he'll put it in a sock drawer. I don't know. But they have to get paid during a shutdown. That's theater. That is theater. I will tell you, the guy who picks up the trash in my office won't get a paycheck. That's real. And that's what makes me angry.
0: So uh, where does it stand? Uh, Kevin McCarthy's continuing resolution. This is all happening Friday. This was how Friday went. Uh, Kevin McCarthy's continuing resolution died. He's got nothing in his pocket. He says, I'm broke. There is a continuing resolution coming out of the Senate. But Kevin McCarthy says he won't bring it to a vote it's a non-starter, which means the government's going to shut down, and that's bad. I, I don't want to get into the details. I think I'm going to do a show tomorrow that's going to outline what a government shutdown looks like. And as I've pointed out, this can be a this could be a more dangerous shutdown because it's the post January 6 landscape. This is there are people who've been sent who've been elected to come to Washington and give us January 6th, part two. I think this government shutdown, I think it's going to be a lot harder to open this one back up. Uh, among the many problems with a government shutdown, according to the USDA, there are 7 million pregnant women, 7 million women who've just given birth, and they receive supplemental food aid for their for themselves and their children they're breastfeeding if there's a government shutdown thanks to the pro-life anti-abortion MAGA republicans 7 million pregnant women or women who just had babies will lose access to the women infants and children's program and federal workers like everybody else lives paycheck to paycheck and If there's a shutdown, eventually they get paid back. They get paid for the lost work. But there are a lot of government contractors, people who who don't work for the government. They work for contractors who are hired by the government. And when there's a shutdown, they don't get paid. Their bosses don't get paid and they don't get paid. And. Uh, then there are the states. There are fifty states that depend on federal block grants, and they're going to go into debt. Those block a lot of those block grants can't even be sent because there's nobody in the administrative state to cut the checks. so the states have to rack up debt. There are infrastructure projects that began thanks to the bipartisan infrastructure act that was passed thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act that was passed. A lot of those projects will sit idle. It's not good. People are in debt. There are a lot of federal employees are going to be furloughed who need a paycheck. Hakeem Jeffries, future Speaker of the House, is there any way to prevent a catastrophic government shutdown.
2: There is a vehicle that is in front of us right now to come together with the Democratic members of the House to avoid a catastrophic government shutdown.
0: Tell us. What is it? What is it?
2: There are a variety of different procedural vehicles that are available to us, including a discharge petition, one of which that is live. And that all we would need are six Republicans to partner with us and we can move legislation to the floor that would end this GOP government shutdown and this national nightmare for the American people.
0: A discharge petition. I talked about this earlier in the week. A discharge petition. The I... What a discharge petition is, if you're the Speaker of the House, you decide what gets voted on and what doesn't. And they can send down a continuing resolution. And if Kevin McCarthy doesn't like it, you're not doesn't even get a a vote unless there's a discharge petition. And that means you get a majority of members of the House to sign a petition demanding that the Speaker discharge the bill and bring it to the floor for a vote. That's what a discharge petition means. So the idea is that moderate Republicans and the entire Democratic caucus will sign a discharge petition ordering uh, Kevin McCarthy, a This will be later today, supposedly, ordering Kevin McCarthy to discharge this bill that he won't bring to a vote. And the bipartisan Senate's continuing resolution would be brought to a vote on the House floor without Kevin McCarthy's approval. That sounds great. Tell me more about this brilliant discharge petition. But. Yeah. Yeah. But, go on.
2: But, all we've seen from the very beginning of this Congress are so-called moderate members doing their best to project reasonableness, but every opportunity they've been given to partner in a bipartisan way, they run to the extremes. Hopefully that will change in the next day or so up against a government shutdown that will hurt people in New York and all across the country. But I'm not holding my breath.
0: He's not holding his breath because a lot of people, that's unfair. That's negative talk. That's stink think to say that about the Republicans, that they're cracking up, that there's a civil war, that they can't come together. Let's ask the Republican presidential candidates what they think.
5: Here's uh, t- t- a 5 though. You want a gas tax and then you want a. We're
0: all going to die. Rudy Giuliani, I'll give you the last word. I like scotch. Good call. I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong
4: and protect the weak.